Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, guys, at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Don't forget that underscore. No TikToks, no Instagrams for me, as you know. Twitter is the only space and it has been on fire. Opening weekend is in the books. The Marlins are sitting at one and two. The season was spiraling out of control after the first game. Jazz Chisholm wasn't in the lineup. Marlins Twitter was on fire. Bassman has got, already got a loss. Anthony Bender already a blown save. Boy, oh boy, it's been a fun, fun weekend. I'm going to be wrapping and covering all of that in the next episode. However, this episode is looking forward, guys. We are straight back into the thick of it tonight against the LA Angels. And I've had to bring another UK stud into the mix, Nick Wright from LA Angels UK. Nick, how are we doing? Very, very well, Pete. Delighted to be on the show with you. Well, I say very well. If we take away the baseball aspect, very well. We'll get onto baseball, I am sure, but that has been less than satisfactory. We're already in pain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the pain has continued. Um, Nick, I just need to ask you this question, buddy. How as a UK fan... Listen, I follow an East Coast team. How, as a UK fan, can you follow and watch all the action on the West Coast all the time? Why do you do it to yourself? <laughs> it's a very good question, Pete, and sometimes I wonder that myself. <laughs> I, I personally, I know... There is no perfect way to follow a team in the, on the West Coast. And I don't think there's a right way. Me personally, I'm not the sort of person that can get up the next day knowing that the game has happened and then watch it because I just have that personality where I have to skip forward if I know I can. Yeah. So I, I generally stay up. I adapt my sleep schedule during the year to, to stay up for these 3 a.m. starts. I generally try and get a couple of hours before the game, watch the game maybe grab an extra hour or two as long as we don't go extras and then head into the office. So it's tough, but it's all love of the sport, love of the team. People have asked me this question many, many times, so I'll ask it to you because uh, it's an intriguing one for our US uh, listeners. How the LA Angels? Yeah, it's a good question. I think my story is probably very similar to a lot of UK-based Halos fans in the sense that we were in Anaheim for other reasons primarily being Disneyland. Uh, I went there as a 10-year-old for the first time to go to Disneyland. And I was, even at that age, I loved sport. I've loved sport my whole life. I was a cricket, I was playing cricket. I loved cricket. And you know what? I was sitting in a hotel room in Anaheim after a day day at Disney. I think it must have been Sunday Night Baseball. I think it was the Cardinals. I I seem to remember seeing Albert Pujols actually at the time. Mm. But anyway, I, I turned this on, I flicked the screen, and then I'm just, I'm fascinated. An hour or two goes by, you know, and just just fascinated by this new sport I'd never seen before. So I had to beg my parents. I was like, look, yeah, look, the Angels play here. Let's, let's go to a game. Dragged them along to a ball game, sat in perfect Southern Californian weather. You know, you can imagine the hot dogs are flying, the popcorn, everything you want in the sunshine. And I just fell in love at that point. I fell in love. That was 2002. That's when, obviously, the, uh, the Angels won the World Series. So the good times, I thought, were always going to be here. <laughs> it went downhill from there. 2004, Vlad Guerrero there. And that's when I sort of really started following the team mm. and going forward. Uh, and just that, that team, actually, from 2004, 2006 onwards to about 2010 was just superb. Yeah. It's so funny, Nick. You're, you're right. The story is so true where you end up, we end up traveling to the States for something else, and we just stumble across baseball because, yeah, for the US listeners, it just really isn't on a TV screen really here. It's hard to fall into baseball because it's like really hidden away unless you really know where to look for it. And so it's more, you get to the States, you go and you get your eyeballs on it and you're like, 
wow, this is fun. And then you get kind of completely lost in it. I think the key bit is find your team early. And as soon as you do that, like anything, it, it matters more when you actually follow a team, I think, rather than just baseball in general. And I think that's the key to it. You landed with the Angels. I've landed with the Marlins. We've both had some painful uh, few years, that is for <laughs> sure. But yeah, it's, it's always interesting to get everyone's stories on that. Let's get into these Angels, though. Um, just summarize this offseason for me. What's been the major comings and goings? Reintroduce the Angels to us as Marlins fans, because it's been a while. Yeah, another interesting offseason. I've said every time, every offseason we have is a really important one for the Angels. And every time you get to the end of the offseason, they kind of, you just feel a little bit like they should have done a bit more. Mm. And I've got the same feeling this year. So we have the big piece that came in was Noah Syndergaard, 21 million for one year. And Good I don't deal. Wanna, I like the deal, yeah, by the way. I like, I like the deal too, but no spoilers yet in terms of performance. But you know what? That is the guy that we needed, a frontline guy that potentially is going to sit alongside Atani and have like two aces in that rotation. Mm -hmm. Problem is health. He pitched two innings in two years. So that's the risk. And that's why we got him for one year for relatively cheap for a frontline starting pitcher. We then bolstered the rotation again with Michael Lorenzen, who's got great stuff, but it hasn't started, I think, since he's come into the majors. Obviously, the only other two-way, real two-way player in the majors as well. Yeah, but the Eagles just love a two-way guy. We love a two-way guy, <laughs> but he's going to be in the starting rotation primarily. That's that's his purpose this year. So, and then we looked at what I did like what we did was the bullpen. So we re-signed Rysel Iglesias for four years, who, for me, top five, top three closer in baseball, maybe even the best right now. Honestly, yeah, we looked at a stat... <clears throat> I saw a stat yesterday which said when the Angels were leading after the eighth inning, we won 68 out of 68 games last year. So, I mean, that's where you know what you're getting with that sort of guy. You know you're winning games if you're getting coming in in the ninth. Mm -hmm. Then we signed Ryan Tapera, Archie Bradley, Aaron Loop. So we really went out and spent some money on the pen, which we just have not done for a long time. And if you look back to the 2002 World Series winning team, the starting rotation was pretty meh, to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. Some some names in there, but nothing special. But the bullpen was locked down. And that's what I'm hoping we've gone back to this year. Unfortunately, where I wanted us to make moves was shortstop. It's the best shortstop class probably ever in terms of free agency. And we didn't get a single one of those pieces. We've rolled into the year with a combination of uh, Fletcher, Tyler Wade, and Matt Duffy between second base and shortstop. And, oh, and honestly, yeah, for a team that wants to compete... It's not great. So I was pretty disappointed. I think we made some good additions on the pitching side. Probably would have liked a bit more depth than a trade for another starter if I was being greedy. Yeah, raising those eyebrows. <laughs> in we know there's a, there's a potential deal to be done there. But on the hitting side, I think we've just left ourselves a battle too short. I, it, sound like, it sounds in general, though, they've added to the to the pitching side for sure, which sounds nice, uh, which was necessary too. I mean, that was the Definitely. knock on the Angels for, for years, from afar anyway, from my perspective. Just a lot of bats, clearly, you know, Trout in the mix, the best player in baseball. Otani's there too. Maybe he's the best player now, I don't know. But, if, you know, effectively, you've got some of these, like, elite dudes plus Rendon. Um, but the, the pitching was always a little bit... There just wasn't enough depth there. And like you said, they, they, they had to shut down closer, so they'd already yeah. solved that riddle. So adding in some more arms, I think, feels good. I think, clearly, if you win the lottery with this uh, Syndergaard deal and you get a full year out of him, you get 160-plus innings, then that will look nice. He had a, a nice start this weekend, I saw. Um, so that's you know that's nice for sure that they're adding to it. 
And like you said, the, sh yeah, the shortstop piece is interesting. Were you in the mix for any of these dudes? Like, there's, there was like, what, five, six of them that were like elite shortstops? Any any links? It's always hard to say with the Angels because we're a ball club that doesn't really have leaks. You see some of our big deals, they just come out of nowhere. Right, Anthony right. Rendon, for instance. I mean, we were in the Garrett Cole stakes the whole time. Garrett Cole chooses the Yankees, understandably. And then, look, next couple of days, we sign Rendon for the same sort of deal we had on the table for Cole. It's that sort of ball club where... It's hard to know when they're truly in the mix for the players. But there were some links to Carlos Correa, although for me, it was always going to be too expensive. And I think the injury problems, um, we've had enough of those in our time. Mm. I think they just scare teams off. Trevor Story was another one. I think the fan base would have quite liked to plug in there. Yeah. But again, didn't seem, to, didn't seem to come off. So honestly, I would say no. I don't think there are any genuine links or any genuine desire to spend the sort of money that it would take to put another big bat in the lineup considering payroll, I believe, is it's lower than last year, which for a team that really needs to compete with Trout and Atani there in, in prime, yeah, I don't think it's good enough. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, we're going to just wrap up then, I guess, uh, very shortly in terms of just overall roster strengths, weaknesses, and also your hopes, aspirations, and dreams for this 2020 Sioux season. Uh, before we get there, a uh, reminder, this episode is brought to you by BetOnline, and BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats, and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for your sporting, wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right then, Nick. So, summarize these kind of strengths and weaknesses of the, the roster heading into 22 what were you thinking where where's the we know where the studs are but where's maybe the the unknown studs perhaps that maybe are coming through and equally what weaknesses do we think may need to be addressed during this season it's a good question i mean if you'd asked me four days ago i'd have probably given you a more positive outlook on, <laughs> on the roster uh feeling a bit deflated as we record today Pete. yeah but in terms of strengths i think we know where they are as you said, I mean, Shohei Otani is probably the most talented baseball player of all time. Mm. Big claim, but I honestly think it's true. Mike Trout is probably the greatest player of a generation. Ansi Rendon hasn't really hit the heights with the Angels. But I mean, mm. as a one, two, three in baseball, it doesn't get any better than that. Studs. Absolutely. I think the bullpen could be a strength this year. Mm. Although, having seen what I've seen so far, I think I was right to think... Rather than actually Ryan Tapera actually gave up gave up some runs in the opener against the Astros. But on the whole, I think he's a great pickup. I think the back end of that pen's going to be good. I worry about the middle relief a bit. <clears throat> if our starters can't go deep into games, I think that could be a bit of a weakness. And honestly, I think this is the best rotation the Angels have put together in quite a number of years now. I think we've talked about Syndergaard and Atani, but Patrick Sandoval has one of the best secondary pitchers in baseball in that changeup. Jose Suarez started last night and was a bit erratic in terms of walks, but has some really good stuff. Was really good in his last five starts of last year. I think he went three and one with a 2.97 ERA. So it's a guy with a lot of promise in that rotation. And then, of course, I mentioned Lorenzen earlier and Reed Detmers, who is our number one prospect, who came up and, again, slightly erratic in his first start of the season, but a lot of promise and an unbelievable curveball. If you ever have a chance to look at that curveball, Pete, you're going to die. Honestly, it is dreamy. It is dreamy. I love so, a curveball. I think, I think there's strengths there. I think actually the pitching is better than it has been for quite some time. Where I worry and where 
other Angels fans didn't seem to care at some point this offseason, but maybe realising now, is the strength in the lineup is nowhere near as good as it should be. You look after that number four, and I'm going to include Jared Walsh in that as well. He was an all-star last year and maybe a guy that isn't particularly well-known still on the on the East Coast, but a lot of power in that bat and a, a guy that I think is going to have another good year. And I think actually will be a guy that will benefit next year when the when the rules change in terms of the shift and everything else. Mm. I think uh, Jared Walsh will continue to, to do some good things. And the other name I'll shout out is Max Stassi. Another one I don't know whether people on the East Coast know, but I'd say he's a top 10 catcher in baseball. Really, really great framer, great catching behind the dish, but also there's some power in that bat. Mm. And he's come on leaps and bounds. We've just signed him to a four-year extension. So I took Stas a lot in fantasy last year. So I, I was tracking his uh, performance and you're right. Nice. Yeah. An above average catcher for sure that maybe a lot of people aren't so aware of perhaps. So yeah, interesting. Um, what about, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what actually happened uh, in opening weekend for, for you shortly. One of the major clips that I saw for the Angels was actually Joe Adele in the outfield. It looked yeah. wild. There was this throw that was supposed to be to home that went to first base. Um, what's what's Joe Adele doing out there in left field? Honestly, Pete, it, it, it's an experience. Joe Adele <laughs> is an experience. And I try not to be too critical of him. He's a young guy still trying to make his way in the majors. Yeah. The problem is he's still so young, yet has had so much hype attached to him mm. all the way through. That raw power is just unbelievable. Problem is, you look at him in left field right now, and he's just below average. He just looks erratic. Like, there's balls he should go for, he doesn't go for, he takes the wrong routes. You know, he made an unbelievable catch last night, a home run saver from Nico Goodrum at the wall. But if you watch the, the route he takes to it, he just looks all over the place. And then at the dish, I think he leads the majors in strikeouts at the moment. I think he's had seven strikeouts, something like that, in nine plate appearances or something crazy. I mean, oh boy. he looks lost up there at the moment. He can't seem to track the breaking ball and he's trying to swing for the fences. I hope he settles down, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I was a little bit worried that he's never going to never gonna reach the levels we expected of him. And that's yeah. just an average major leaguer. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Interesting for sure. It was, it was one of the major clips that, that kind of popped this weekend was this throw that was so wild. And I think back to last year too, where... We were we were both doing in play runs together. Maybe it was twenty twenty yeah. actually. Twenty twenty. When he yeah. threw, he, one landed in his glove, and he just decided to throw it over for a home run. It was one of the worst yeah. defensive plays I've ever seen. Um, is Trouty playing out in in right field then? And Brandon Marsh, man in center, is that the way? Trouty's very much in center. Is he? Oh, okay. There was twenty four out twenty four hours during the spring training, the start of spring, where. Joe Madden sort of said, you know what, well, it's a conversation for me and Mike. Maybe Brandon's going to play centre field. That got shut down quickly. <laughs> the reporters went to Mike Trout and Mike Trout made it quite clear he was playing centre field. Yeah. And that is the way it should be. He's Absolutely. A Absolutely. It's, it's intriguing that um, you know, that happens when off, off the back of a weekend where the Marlins have had a, a roster... Uh, issue let's describe it as where jazz was left out of the lineup and decided to take mm -hmm. it to social media and um well i don't think he initially took it to social media but then he started retweeting people that had taken it to social media saying hey why is jazz not in the lineup and you know it kind of snowballed from there so the difference is mike trout is mike trout jazz yeah. chisholm fun guy he's effectively just finished one rookie year of mm -hmm. 
kind of average production in general, I think it's fair, you know, it, it's clear. If Trout says I'm good in sender, you let him roll. If Jazz says I want to play every day, it's up to Don still, I think. So interesting dynamic there for sure. Um, what were you, where were you seeing these Angels in general heading into this year? What was the, the hopes and dreams for, for you for this team? I mean, the hopes and dreams are always playoffs. The hopes and dreams are to allow guys like Shohei and Mike Trout to shine on the big stage. It's what they deserve. I mean, Mike Trout, as everyone is well aware, has played three playoff games in his career. A three-time MVP, you know, the greatest player of a generation, has three playoff games where we got swept by the Royals. It's not good enough. It's not good enough for him. It's not good enough for a franchise that actually pre-2010 pre was a winning franchise. I mean, we had some big, big years. And mm. as I said, some of those Vlad Guerrero and Garrett Anderson type teams, they were great, fantastic. So... The dream is to try and get back there, expanded playoffs. Like, as I said, the pitching's improved. The lineup, hopefully, will the bats will start coming alive against these Marlins this week. Um, and then we got the Rangers after that. So this is a big week. They need to start showing that, you know, that the the hype in the preseason, which everybody seems to always give to the Angels, because it's hard not to. It's yeah. hard not to see a lineup with these kind of guys in it and say, you know what, they can't be as bad as last year. This has got to be the year they put it all together. So the hope is playoffs. The Astros are too good. As we saw this week, the Astros are head and shoulders the best team in the West. I know you personally picked the Mariners to win the division, although after a few few bottles of wine, so we might let you <laughs> off and on. But honestly, the Astros are too good. You look at every facet of their play. That, that was the thing that shocked me. It's not just the pitching and the hitting. Defensively, they are unreal. Hmm. They didn't miss a beat. Every catch in the outfield, you know, every 50-50 ball, they got there and made the play. So... Yeah. I think second in the division wild card. That's what we're aiming for. Yeah, makes sense. I, like you said, the Astros, and uh, I was listening to uh, the Just Baseball uh, media crew and they're the Just Baseball podcast today, and they were hyping up as well the Astros, how good they were, and you know mm -hmm. they were all over Jordan and Tucker and whatever, yeah. and just saying those two look just sensational um, for sure. So, yeah, I'm with you. It, it feels like you know if the Astros play well. Um, the Angels should be pushing for a wild card, though. They really should be pushing for a wild card, and it, it's going to probably come down to the pitching. Plus, clearly, can Trout stay healthy, um, mm -hmm. you know, and give a full year for the first time in what feels like a long time. So, yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to ask you for your hot takes uh, from the weekend series itself very shortly on the Angels specifically, and also let's look ahead to this uh, Angels-Marlins two-game set. Uh, before we get there... Reminder, this show is also brought to you by Built Bar. Guys, Built Bar love this copy. They've absolutely been using this copy for months. I'll ask you this same question. Have you tried those puffs? <laughs> if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. First ever protein-infused marshmallow. Yep, a protein-infused marshmallow. Fluffy, marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat and covered in 100% real chocolate. They're a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Cinnamony churro, try say that fast. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so, so good. These are going to be your new favorites. And don't forget, all Built Bars covered in 100% real chocolate. If you're liking what you're hearing, get yourselves over to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. All right, Nick. Give it to me then. One and three against the yeah, the class of the division. Hot takes, mm -hmm. main takeaways from this from an Angels perspective. What were you seeing and how are you feeling now moving forwards? Oh, that's a good question. All right, hot takes. I'll give you a positive one. Noah Syndergaard is going to have uh, 
an under three ERA this year. Ooh. He's going to get how many innings though? How many innings? Hundred and forty. Okay, that's, that's that's good. You'll take that. Take that. Hundred and forty. He's going to be under three ERA. He's going to have a real bounce back year, and then he's going to sign a huge monster extension at the Angels oh. uh, once he's proven his health. That that that's my tip with that one. Like it. I think Brandon Marsh is going to be the better of the outfielders between him and Joe Adele. I think Brandon Marsh is going to have a real breakout year this year where he proves that he's a major leaguer with five tools and he can hear, he's got speed, he's great in the outfield. So Brandon Marsh, unfortunately for Joe Adele, I think he's going to struggle all year, probably get demoted to AAA at some point to work on his game, Um, especially since we know that Taylor Ward, who's currently on the IL, is going to be the starting right fielder when he gets back. There's not much space there. I mean, do you want Joe Adele getting sporadic at bats? I don't think so. I think he needs to play every day, and he's yeah, not good yeah. enough right now to play every day in the majors. So I'd say Brandon Marsh over Joe Adele, despite the pre-hype status in terms of uh, as a prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a third hot take. Ooh. I think the Angels missed the postseason. Oh boy, oh boy. Another year. Well, it's been it's been a tough a tough weekend. I've got to be honest, I saw after what, six innings, I wanna say, of Marlins baseball, I saw some of Marlins Twitter blowing up saying season's cooked. I had to use the white flag emoji multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it happens. You get your first look at the teams and the white flag is up and same old Marlins, maybe same old Angels, I don't know. Um, but yeah, interesting hot takes. So we've got a two-game set. Let me just look at the start time. So the Monday evening uh, start time, it is 2.38 a.m. So the first question I've got for you, not is who who is starting. That's my second one. But are you watching the game live? I probably will be watching the game live. Oh, boy. (laughs) So I I need to figure this out. But obviously, we've got Monday night dugout on Spaces with the MLB UK community at 9 p.m. today, which I know you host, Pete, and I'll be involved in. And then it's whether I can get to sleep. If I can get to sleep relatively quickly after that and set my alarm for half past two, I'll be up for it. But it, it sort of depends. I mean, I stayed up for every game this weekend. I am absolutely knackered. Yeah. So we'll see. But I think I'll probably be watching. Okay. So who – the Angels are going with a six-man uh, rotation. Obviously, they've got Otani in there. So that's kind of balances that out. Who are we expecting to be on the bump for these Angels? And what's, uh, what's your view on the, on the guys going? So we've got Michael Lorenzen tonight. It's his first start for the Angels. And my guess is he probably, again, has a pitch limit, maybe 80 at most, potentially 60 to 70. So you probably expect him to go four or five at best. He's an interesting guy because the stuff's always been there, but he's never been given an opportunity to start. So let's see how he does tonight. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling if the Marlins are confident of either of these two games, then tonight is the one where they will be going going for our starting pitcher. Okay. And you could see some could see some runs there, although I know runs have been hard to come by for both ball clubs to start the year. That is true. That that is true. It's been it's been tough. Uh yo, listen, the Giants pitching's good. I mean, I, mm. I watched Webb was very good. I've never seen Rodon ever pitch before. Ooh, and Rodon good. was sensational. He was filth. And he struck everyone out under the sun. And, you know, to be fair as well, yesterday's starter was good too. Um, Di Sclafani, like, you know, we got him out yeah. of there after four, I think it was. But, you know, Giants just, they pitch well. So I wouldn't say the Marlins, 
yes, we didn't score many runs, but neither did the Giants. It was tight games, and they kind of went how I expected them to go. I'm really intrigued to see the way... You know, this is the interesting part now for the Fish. We talk about our pitching depth and the quality of the rotation. When we get to the fours and fives versus effectively your five and six, this should be a strength for the Fish. You should look at it and go... We we should have the upper hand on the bump. Whether we do, I don't know. But you know, there's uh, Eliezer going tonight, Lazardo going um, on on Tuesday. Ooh. So you that, know that that's going to be a that, juicy one. That's a juicy one because I was going to say. So we've got Patrick Sandoval going on Tuesday, and whilst technically this is our sixth starter, he's not actually. I mean, Sandoval was meant to be going as our number two and right. had a bit of arm fatigue. So he's been pushed back in the rotation. So Lozado against Sandoval is a, a tasty matchup. That sounds really juicy for sure. And, uh, you know, for the Marlins fans as well, we've seen <clears throat> Eddie Cabrera has gone to the seven-day IL because um, he's in AAA right now. All of a sudden, if the Fish have any kind of uh, pitching issues, it's going to be really intriguing to see what they do because, yeah, they've got a couple of guys they've got on the roster uh, right now in, uh, in Castano and Petit that could kind of fill in as spot starters. The interesting point is Max Meyer is mm. sitting there as the next man up, in my opinion. And so oh, baby. that is, I think it's close. Like if someone does go down and needs any kind of significant time missing, not just a one game or two, I think the move will be six to the 60 day IL to clear that 40 man spot. Max on there and Max just given full steam. I don't want anyone to go down clearly, but no. what I'm saying is with Eddie Cabrera going down, it's opening up a window, in my opinion, where could be max season, which could be very interesting for sure as Marlins fans. So I'm really intrigued to see the way this uh, series goes. I'm not going to be watching any of it live, so I'm going to be on my usual uh, social block, uh, blackout until I've actually watched the game. So you won't get any hype tweets from me until at least lunchtime UK time <laughs> in the following days. Um, but I did see actually the when uh, the Tuesday game, sorry, is a uh, just after midnight. Yeah. Seven minutes after midnight, so it might catch a little bit of that live. Actually, we'll have to see. Um, for a guy looks, like for a guy like me, that counts as a UK friendly game. That's UK friendly. <laughs> midnight start. That's UK friendly. That I was going to say. So, what are you thinking for this series? Then, what if the if the Angels are going to win both games? Who needs to play well? The bats. Ultimately, I think we need to see something from actually from the whole lineup, which sounds stupid, but. The one to four haven't really got going. Mike Trout's hit a solo dinger. Jared Walsh has hit a solo dinger. He's probably been the best of our hitters so far. Yeah. Rendon hasn't got going. Atani's timing's been a bit off. He hit a nice double, 119 miles per hour off the bat yesterday uh, into the right field corner. But other than that, the, the, the big four just haven't got going for us. So we need to see that. We need to see the swings coming together. I think Mike Trout's going to have one of these two days going to be big. He's going to, you know, he's going to have a four for five day kind of thing because you can't hold Mike Trout down. And then we need to see a little bit of production from the lower half of the order, just getting on base. They don't need to be, they don't need to be driving in these runs. They just need to be getting on base for those big four to drive them in. You know, David Fletcher needs to start. He makes contact, but at the moment, defences have started reading him. Like yesterday, Carl Tucker had a, like, as you can imagine, David Fletcher is a very slap hitter. I mean, like, there's no power there. He just slaps it around. But Tucker had him played perfectly. He slapped a high ball, high fastball out into right field. Any other hitter probably is going into the corner for a double because the alignment's not there. But teams have figured it out. Tucker was aligned perfectly to catch that ball. So I just want to see them getting on base, you know, doing the fundamentals of baseball, not swinging for the fences every time, just trying to put the team in a position to score some multiple runs in an innings. 
I it sound, I mean, listen, if, if Trout gets going, it's going to be interesting. I mean, the matchup of... Um, I think we both kind of circled this one. This Tuesday game, mm. Bizarro the lefty going. Um, you know, that could be intriguing for sure for, for, for Trout. I, I would be very optimistic, though, if I was a Marlins fan. We do not play lefties well. We do not hit lefties well. We haven't done for a number of years. So Okay, that sounds intriguing. I mean, last year, this is, it's a different lineup this year. So I'm you know, wait and see on, on how the Marlins play lefties. But bloody hell, last year, any soft-tossing lefty, yeah. no matter who they were, didn't matter. We were just turgid against them. So this kind of lefty-lefty Lozado-Sandoval matchup is going to be intriguing. For Marlins fans, the most intriguing thing about this will be the lineups being announced. I am mm-hmm. super intrigued about this little mini story. Is he going to sit Jazz against a lefty again? That is going to be the question. I just want to put my personal opinion out there now. I'll get yours as well, Nick, as well. Because for me, uh, actually, the way that worked out, uh, Birdie played for Jazz. And actually, Birdie in that game manufactured one of the runs that led to us mm-hmm. winning the game. Brian Anderson was the other guy that came in, platoon in for, for Wendell. And Brian Anderson had a big hit too. So both of those decisions from Donnie actually led to the Marlins winning the game. However, my view is Jazz Chisholm, I want to see him out there every day against anyone. It doesn't matter to me. The dude is electric, whether that's in the field, whether that's running the bases, whether that's at, at the plate. I want to see Jazz out there. He is He's a difference maker. And to have a difference maker sat there not participating on game two i found that a little bit odd to be honest with you i would have preferred jazz in the lineup the marlins won it the guys that came in did a job but sitting jazz chisholm for john birdie it's a bit Mm -hmm. of a head scratcher for me personally nick what about you i'm fully on board with you Pete. the same thing i mean i think the one thing to say was you were on the road if that is in miami you cannot sit a guy like jazz if you're an ownership you're, you're looking down you're like who do we have on this roster that is going to excite the fans? Who's point. going to get the energy up in the stadium? That is jazz every single time. I mean, as you say, he is electric, whatever he does. And speed kills. You get him on the base paths and he's just a, a pleasure to watch. The catch he made last night, I've watched maybe 10, 15 times this morning. Yeah. It's just sensational. And so I'm with you. When you have a guy like that, you want to see them in the You, you fit them in the lineup any way you can. It's not yeah. like he's not versatile either. You can slot him into many places in that lineup and he's going to do you a, a job. So I'm with you, Pete. I don't understand the decision. But it's early in the year. We're not baseball managers. No. That is... I think as the year year progresses, you won't see him out the lineup. No. And that's why I'm really intrigued to see what they go with lineup-wise against the lefty. I think that's going to be very, very intriguing. I'm waiting for... Yeah, Craig Mish will be piping up about that. The Fish Stripes guys. (laughs) Everyone will be. It's going to be be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, Nevertheless, I think... You know, listen, if, if we if we kind of sit here right now ahead of a two-game series, both of us with losing records right now, you'd probably take the split, but would be happy clearly with a series win. Like everyone's clearly shooting for the mini the mini sweep, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I think if you split it, to me, it sounds like we're both leaning game one Marlins, game two perhaps could suit the Angels. And so we're kind of, you know, one one, which probably means it will go exactly the opposite to that. Yeah. The Angels will blow the doors off the fish tonight, and then Lozada will pitch, you know, a nine inning perfecto or something. Who knows? But are you thinking the same, Nick, on this one? I was actually until you Uh-oh. mentioned that until you mentioned that Lozado was going tomorrow. Oh. And he's a guy that I really like. I love the stuff and oh. it hasn't necessarily all come together. But we've had trouble with Oakland pitching for a long time. So how how long he's been out of Oakland? I'm not sure if the Oakland's out of him yet. 
Nah. And if it isn't, <laughs> we're in trouble. But I'll, I'll stick with the series split. I think both teams are probably on a similar trajectory right now. There's some good, young, exciting pieces. The mm. pitching, on your side particularly, the pitching looks good. We've obviously got some more premium hitting in our lineup at the moment. But I think on the whole, it's it's quite balanced. And yeah. I think a split is probably fair. Me too. I'd, I'd be happy with a split, to be honest with you. The, the way this um, early schedule lines up for the fish like it's a tough ass like going on a west coast mm. jaunt like straight out the gates clearly this is a, a rejig schedule we should have had the bravos at home to, to start it off which would have been tough as well by the way but <laughs> yeah. you know going out west for a two um two city trip um mm. it's never easy um so if you come back playing you know and you'll end up on what two and three if you end up splitting yeah. this series it isn't the worst result in the world then we're back then i think we got the phillies coming to, to miami and i'm really excited for that series because i I love the Phillies. I love the way they're lined up as as a. They're just they're fun. They're going to be a fun you, team. You own the Phillies, don't you? But we own the Phillies for sure. We absolutely have, and I I love that. Nothing pleases me more than the Phillies getting out to a a, a quick start and then a bullpen implosion. Nothing mm. excites me more than that. So that should be a lot of fun. So listen, the fish. I've said it already. They need to hang around five hundred this year if they can. They've got the assets to go out there and they can add to this this roster at a later date. But if it falls apart quickly, it could be another tough year. So we'll wait and see. Nick, we are bang out of time. Remind everyone where they can get you on Twitter. I know you're not a you're not a TikTok guy either, right? So uh Twitter on I'm not a TikTok man yet, but you never know. Oh keep, boy. <laughs> keep your eyes peeled. There might be a channel coming. No, I'm at LA Angels UK on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find all our content on there. You can find our website, laangelsuk.com as well for uh, your bonus content hold on a minute what about the pod let them know about the pod ah, of course podcast halfway around the halo it's your uk angels podcast we've had some great guests on there over the years including angels manager joe madden which i would love for you to go and check out so yeah catch us on halfway around the halo absolutely love it nick wright that has been a lot of fun having you on, buddy. Thanks for spending your time talking me through these Angels. I'm pumped for this series. I'm not going to be watching the Game 1 live, but Game 2, there's definitely going to be a few innings live for sure, so I'm excited for that one. I think we're both happy with a split, probably this one. Clearly uh, a mini-sweep for you know, either either way would be uh, what we're both looking for. But guys, that is going to wrap us up for today's episode. That's me, Peter Pratt, and Nick Wright out of here. I'm going to be back either later today with a double episode or early tomorrow with a, uh, a a Giants series review, likely with Sean Barrett. So stay tuned for that one, guys. We'll be digging into all the details and, again, looking forward to uh, this Angel series and the Phillies to come. Appreciate it, guys.